0: Welcome to the Every Woman Podcast, a space where every woman has a voice and a story to share with the world. The intention here is to inspire you through the words spoken today, and that any wisdom gathered from listening will be applied to your own life. I'm your host, Devin, founder of the Circle of Grace, and I want to personally thank you for tuning in today. Now it's time for a warm welcome. With Ms. Danica Pierce. She helps visionary women overcome self sabotage and own their impact in a business and at home. She uses strategies rooted in CBT, NLP, and Jesus. She teaches you how to create a life that you love and live out your purpose in a way that reflects God's glory. Welcome, Danica. Thank you for being here today. I'm really excited to kind of get to know you a little bit better.
1: Oh, I am so thrilled to be invited, invited onto your show. I'm really happy to be here.
0: Yeah. I've seen uh, a lot of, you know, your stuff on Twitter and I think what you're doing is really awesome. I haven't really gotten a chance to personally get to, to know you. So I was really looking forward to connecting with you here on the podcast. So let's get a little bit of your background. Tell me just a little bit about your story and kind of where you came from and what inspired you to get to the point where you're at now and a little bit about what you do
1: yeah so um i'm really glad that we connected on twitter it's like it's funny like, i've been using twitter on and off for probably the past like 15 years of so however long twitter's been a thing but it's just never really been a platform that I've been able to like use consistently because I just feel like I don't have enough thoughts to, to, to use it half the time, but um, it's really great in terms of like following really great people and connecting with really great people. So even though I don't tweet all that much, it's been a really useful platform for growing a really valuable network. And I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to connect on there. And so in terms of my background, I guess I I'll start where everyone starts. I'll just, you know, my, my education is in something called communication design. And that's where I met my husband who was then my like best friend who, well, we didn't start out as best friends. We actually hated each other, but as you know, as the years went by, we grew to become really good friends. And now we joke that we met at the school of propaganda because basically what we learned was how to use things like language, visuals, colors, lighting, things like that, in order to send a specific message to someone. So it's basically the the sweet spot in between marketing and graphic design, and we learned how to utilize those assets to send very specific messages to make people feel specific ways. And um, that led me to lean more towards, well, when I first started, I was all gung ho about like the logos and the branding and the graphic design. But then I started that and I realized like, Oh, like making logos all day, every day, like actually is really boring and I hated it. And so I switched over to marketing And that I enjoyed a lot because I got to connect with a lot of people and try out really cool things. And it's basically like anyone who works in marketing will tell you that marketing is just one big experiment. Like anyone who tells you otherwise is, they are lying to your face. Like, so that's the part of it that I actually really enjoyed was, you know, trying, trying out something like a marketing tactic or whatever, and then getting the numbers back, seeing what worked, what didn't. And then, you know, just the, networking aspect that came with that. I really enjoyed it because I'm normally a very like shy and like introverted person. So it was a really great way for me to be constantly challenging myself. Mm. So for example, I would do things when we were at this like big like conference or a networking event or something, I would be the one who put myself in the like sign up like registration table. Mm -hmm. So that that way, every single person who came in came to that event at least on some level would know who I was and then i would be able to constantly be putting faces to names of really important players in the industry and so that was a really great way for me to grow my network very quickly and to have good rapport with a lot of people because then you know when it's after the event and everyone's having cocktails and stuff you can go and say hey John how are you you know and then you know it's definitely it's a lot easier that way
0: right
1: but eventually I got tired of the the nine to five grind and everything that comes with that. And I just wanted, I wanted the time freedom. I, quite frankly, I just didn't like being told what to do all the time. Like I'm a very, very um, what's a polite way to say this very, I guess like robust and at times abrasive person. At least I was back then more so than I am now, but I just couldn't take showing up every day and bringing someone else's vision to life while well, my mm-hmm. own was on the back burner. Yeah. So I, I quit my job. and at the time, I was also growing a, a freelance graphic design business that I wasn't really pull, putting a whole lot of effort to. It was more of like a creative outlet slash backup if I lose my job kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I had discovered coaching, and I was like, are you telling me that I can? do whatever I want. I can just talk about things that I love doing and things that I know about things that I'm things that I'm learning and I can get paid to teach other people this exact same thing and watch them make their lives better from things that I know. And it was like, literally it was like, I felt like I had found like the golden pathway. I was like, this is (laughs) it. Like I have found my path in life. This is perfect. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: that's pretty much how I came into coaching and when I first started, I was very much into, like, business and, like, sales and, like, branding, because that's, of course, my my corporate background and my educational background. But as I started working with clients, I realized that where they needed the help wasn't necessarily in, like, here's how to get more followers on Instagram, here's how to get more sales, whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the main thing that was blocking them from achieving the results that they wanted was their mindset around it and their their beliefs about who they were or what they were capable of or even just like how the world operated in general. Right. And so that's really where I found the, you know, my, my passion for helping people was in helping them to rewrite the, the stories and the beliefs that were keeping them from living the lives that they wanted to live and for going after the things that they desired and to fully live out the purpose that was
0: meant for them. And I guess here I am now. That's so awesome. No, that's really great to hear. And I I do find it really interesting that that was your conclusion with people that were coming to you for coaching services. There was that theme of maybe limiting beliefs. And I do believe that that's really common. Um, I, you know, I myself struggled with that for a long time and I didn't realize that I was capable of achieving anything in this life that I wanted to, if I was willing to put in the work and make it happen. I had a lot of limiting beliefs that I suffered from. And I think it's really interesting that you use a lot of strategies like CBT and NLP that help people break free from that you know, uh, limiting mindset and really can help them expand their minds rewire their thought processing from the negative to the positive so that they can start breaking down some walls
1: it's extremely common like i'll say that pretty much every single person on this earth deals with limiting beliefs and those like self-defeating stories at some point in their life and by most people i mean every single person on this earth does like it's Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it's just a part of it's a part of the human experience in a way but at the same time too, we are, we are very uniquely susceptible to believing stories that prevent us from going where we're meant to go in life. Right. I had this one, I was reading this book a few months ago and it had this really powerful line in, in it that said, if you, if you don't know what your calling is, look at where you're wounded. And that just hit me so hard because it's so like, it's so true. Like think about all of the stories that we're carrying with us around, um, you know, like some really common ones would be, I'm not good at making money or it's bad to want money or I'm not good at sales. Or if I go after my dreams, my family will disown me. Like that's actually, that's a really common one, even though it almost never happens. It's actually a very common belief that, that people struggle with, or that my family will see me differently, or I'll have to give up certain things about life. And we just create like we we project all of these fears mm-hmm. onto things that we feel really, really called to do. And it, in that way, we create, we create a reality where it's like, we don't have to go after that thing. Like it's like, it's safer for us to stay still and to stay where we are, even though we feel unfulfilled and we feel miserable and we feel like, Empty v- versions of ourselves. It's easier to stay in in this place, right? Than it would be for us to I think it, it's easier for us to stay where we are Even though it makes us miserable or we feel we, we feel small or broken or unfulfilled. It's easier to stay still and to stay small than it is for us to go after those really big, scary things that we know that we're, that we're destined for.
0: Yeah, I think our, I mean, you hit that right on the head. That's a huge fear that a lot of people have. And another one, at least for me was fear of failure. It's that lack of faith that no matter what it's going to be okay. And it's going to work out because you're going to make sure that it does one way or the other, you're not going to give up. I think that consistency and showing up for yourself is a huge part of being successful and we don't give ourselves enough credit and we don't commit to ourselves and the things that we really want. It is a lot more comfortable to kind of stay where we are in our comfort zone and not put ourselves out there in fear of failure or lack of, confidence that no matter what, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And I think a really
1: key part of that is trusting yourself to make it work one way or another. And that's super, super key because we get so hung up on things needing to look a certain way It's like, if I'm going to start a business, then it's going to look like this. I'm going to make this much money. I'm going to have this many clients. I'm going to do things this way. You know, my schedule is going to look like this. Like we have every detail planned out. And then we're like, you know what? Like that's just too big. I can't handle it. And then we don't even take the first step. Whereas just taking it one step at a time and trusting that, you know, God will reveal the next step or that the next step will somehow reveal itself to you throughout that whole process and understanding that you you can have this big vision of what you want your life to look like or what or what this dream looks like, but you don't have to be married to it for the rest of your life, right? Like I think what a lot of people misunderstand about what it means to be successful and this prevents them from even trying to be successful because it makes it seem like this big, huge, scary thing. It's not like you go out and you have you know, like when Elon Musk started, he didn't envision he was going to start like the when he started PayPal, he didn't envision any of those things happening, right? Imagine if he woke up one morning and he was like, "Okay, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this." You know, it's like he probably wouldn't have wanted to get out of bed that morning, right? But just starting off with, "Okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to see how it turns out." But if if you can just start and say, "Okay, here's my vision for how things will turn out." It's going to turn out probably similar to that, or maybe it won't. We'll see what happens. And just approaching it with that sense of curiosity and trust in yourself and trust in God to guide you along the right path is going to get you immensely farther than it would be to just stay super attached to this one big vision of how you think that things should be. It's also going to be way more fun and you're going to just, you're going to have a way better time along the way as well.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that. And I think that we as humans were designed to step out onto the water. We are designed to walk in faith and we rob ourselves of that opportunity when we stay complacent. And what better way to grow your faith than put yourself in an uncomfortable situation where you don't know the outcome, but you're saying, I'm gonna take a step anyway. I have no idea how this is gonna play out. I don't know what's gonna happen or what turns I'm gonna have to take, but I'm just gonna take a step and I'm gonna show up. And I think a lot of times we don't take that step. It's, it's always fear, it always comes down to fear we're afraid of something we're afraid of what people are going to think we're afraid of you know what if we fail there's all of these negative thoughts that come in our minds and that's just the enemy throwing things at you because let's just be honest the enemy wants you complacent he doesn't want you stepping out in faith he wants you s- complacent and and staying in that state of fear because you're not going to thrive in that state you're going to thrive when you step out of your comfort zone and, and you walk in faith and it's amazing when you do step out in that faith and you start seeing things unfold and opportunities come along that you are like, Holy cow, I didn't, this never would have happened had I not been taking that step, you know, getting out of the boat, walking on the water. So it's really inspiring when you can get past that thought process of those negative thoughts. Once you can start combating those thoughts, I think that's the foundation of. Okay, now I'm going to take the next step and then I'm going to experience the joy of and the excitement of being an entrepreneur or walking in faith or whatever that looks like for you personally.
1: Well, yeah, you uh, you had a really good point there about, you know, the enemy wanting us to stay complacent because here's the thing. He doesn't want you to fail because to fail means to have tried and to have tried means to have gone somewhere. Right? He doesn't yeah. want you to try and fail and then try something else. He wants you to just not even try at all. And that's where these, these wounds and these stories come from. And very often they're formed when we're very, very young. Like typically between the ages of zero to seven is when these most like formative events will happen. Or like an event or a series of events is going to hardwire these beliefs into your mind. And then you act them out unconsciously. For most people, unfortunately, it's the entirety of their adult lives. Mm-hmm. And thankfully over the past, I'd say five, 10 years or so, the like self-help movement has done a lot in terms of helping people to be more aware. Yeah. It's done a lot of damage in a lot of ways, but in terms of helping people to become more aware of their own, like the, their own role that they can play in their own development yeah, is huge.
0: Right. When do you feel like that moment happened for you? a moment in your life where you decided that it was time to start taking action against maybe your thought processing or just where you were at?
1: So the, I guess it kind of comes twofold. So in terms of my own personal experience, it was a a pretty radical event that really changed the trajectory of where my life was going because when I was in school, I was very, a very anxious, very high-strung, very socially awkward person. I was most often very isolated, like really, like desperately wanting to have friends, but then just completely rejecting every person who even came close to me. And then like, well, why don't I have any friends? Well, it's because you treat everyone around you like garbage because that way they can't reject you. you know, that, you know, it's a tale as old as time, right? But right i was eating horribly i wasn't exercising i was just drinking wine watching netflix all the time like it was just not not a good lifestyle and this came coupled with this idea that like i needed to achieve so much in my life in order to be just worthwhile or to be be enough or to be like a good person and so I would just work myself into the ground at my nine to five and then I had my freelancing business and then I had you know I was also like doing like selling uh, drawing paintings or drawing drawings and painting paintings and then like (laughs) trying to sell those and just having like all of the stuff going on at the same time and then it was just awful it was a very very high stress lifestyle that I was living and the thing that really Um, that really brought that to my attention was I actually ended up experiencing a a miscarriage about two years ago. And that really brought, you know, really brought a new perspective onto how, how I was living my life and what my priorities were. And at around that same time, I had just been exposed to, like, I was like reading bunch of books and things like that, because so I was already kind of starting to get tired of the way that I was living and how I was so miserable all the time. And so I was looking for different ways to improve myself and to improve my life. And I came across this book, and it was called Mindsight by, I think, Daniel Siegel is the, the author there. And it talked about the, what, I, what I was just mentioning about how these, these beliefs and these like ways of being are ingrained into your mind when you're, when you're very, very young. And he gave all sorts of examples from his uh i think he's a clinical psychologist i want to say or like something along those lines and he gave a lot of examples from cases that he'd had and like exam like like exercises and things that that he'd given them and something that really stood out to me was he was talking about how different attachment styles can manifest as different i don't want to say issues but like can can manifest as really unique struggles in, in a person's life. And I realized that when I was growing up, my parents had given me this like anxious, unreliable attachment style. And so that had really shaped the way that I viewed relationships and the way that I viewed myself and the way that I viewed what I needed to do in order to earn love and affection and security and safety. And The the key thing that I took away from that book was the fact that it wasn't me who was flawed. It wasn't me as a person who was, or I wasn't struggling because I was a bad person or because I was a flawed person. I was struggling because of events that took place during my childhood had had a specific effect on my physical brain structure and brain chemistry. It's the same as like if you fell off your bike when you were eight and you broke your kneecap and you had a limp for a long time right it's it's the exact same kind of lingering effect but you wanted to you wanted to attribute that limp to a character flaw Mm -hmm. right it's it's the exact same kind of thing and the simple um the simple act of being able to separate myself as a person from those struggles Mm -hmm made everything so much easier. And that's actually the basis of CBT and NLP, which I didn't know at the time because I wasn't studying those back then. Mm. But that that's actually the basis of those practices is separating yourself from your thoughts and your beliefs. And then in that way you're able to analyze them and understand where they come from and the impact that they're having on your life and therefore you're able to work through them and heal from them and create new beliefs and new stories that more accurately align with the person that you want to be and the life that you want to be living. So it's funny how it all kind of, you know, it's a bunch of different pathways, like all just met up in this one area, which is in hindsight is very cool.
0: Yeah, that's super awesome. And I think it's interesting that you had mentioned that at the time you weren't really familiar with CBT. You were kind of doing some of that work, but not fully knowing that there was a name for it or a specific actual profession dedicated to it. And that's kind of the same thing with myself. My journey into overcoming those negative thoughts and that thought processing and rewiring, I actually started watching guided meditation videos on YouTube. And I lived in my own apartment by myself and I would in my evening every night listening to those and that's the first time that I really learned to separate my thoughts from myself. Like that's my thoughts aren't me. That's not my identity. Like I can these thoughts are separate from me and one of the ways that the one of the ladies in in my Circle of Grace community, I love the way that she describes it. She describes it, thoughts as clouds, that they just float in and you're just the observer. You're kind of just observing the thoughts. They come in, but they're not, the cloud is not you. It's something that you are experiencing, but that's not the same thing as who you are. So it's really nice to think of them. I like the imagery of them being clouds and they float in and you can choose what you do with it you can choose whether to kind of i'm going to focus on this or i'm just going to let it float by
1: yeah that's exactly it and that, that's an analogy that i've heard before it's very common because it's very helpful right it's you are the sky and your thoughts are the clouds or even like you can imagine it in different ways as well like um you know you are the river your thoughts are the fish you know like whatever it takes for you to understand that you are you and your thoughts are just things that are in you for lack of a better phrasing. That's kind of an awkward phrasing, but whatever. Um, right. Your thought like your thoughts are in you, but they're not a part of you. Right. And once you're able to play that uh, uh, the role of the observer, that right there is ninety percent of the battle is understanding mm-hmm. that you are not your thoughts. And then your yeah. it becomes less of this big huge thing and more of this like little tiny thing and you're like oh okay that's way more manageable than this big scary thing that i was afraid to look at my entire life yeah and something that i often run my clients through and they they hate this exercise because it's in- incredibly tedious but it's super powerful and what you can do is just take a topic of some kind whether it's you know business or my marriage or whatever it is. And then just write down every single thing that you believe about that thing. And like write out like as much as you can, like sometimes they'll give them number and I'll say, okay, write out 100 things that you believe about your marriage, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And they get to all, all the surface level beliefs, but then they have to really dig to get down to the ones that they don't even realize that they believe. And oftentimes those are the ones that are really running your life. Yeah. And once you know what those beliefs are, you know it for sure. Cause you're like, Oh, there's like that moment where it just clicks and you're like, wow, I cannot believe that this, is, this was, that this was holding me back. And right. things like meditation can be very helpful for this prayer, obviously, you know, looking at scriptures or just journaling or just to, um, being out in nature or even just like, you know, whatever it takes for you to get into that like nice relaxed state where right? you're able to just let the thoughts come to you. Yeah. And I'll give you an example of a belief that I didn't know that I had that was really holding me back when I first started my business is I I did this exercise because at the time I was going to therapy and she was running me through CBT to help me with my anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that was what motivated me to get certified in, in CBT was just understanding like how helpful these 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 exercises and and that perspective can be and I was just writing out like everything that I was believing I was doing some meditation some journaling and this belief came up that said that if what I'm sharing isn't completely original information then I'm a fraud and I was like Mm. oh that's not even true right but it was this belief that had been holding me back for so long and when once I actually was able to illuminate that belief, I was like, wow, that's really stupid. Yeah. Not in like a derogatory way, but in just like a yeah. almost a comical way. Because a lot of the time, once you illuminate a belief, I'd say nine times out of 10, just the fact that you're shining a light on that belief causes it to dissolve all, all on its own. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's not even a problem anymore. But then there's that pesky 10% that you really got to do the work to analyze and work through and dismantle and rebuild and all of that stuff. But just simply the role of playing the observer and being willing to look, to really take a hard look at yourself and what beliefs you're carrying Yeah, is literally going to be 90% of the battle in terms of why why you might be struggling a certain area of your life.
0: Right. Yeah. And I like that it really comes down to the way that we frame things. And it's interesting for me, the, a big lie that I had be, been believing and not even consciously aware that this was a, a belief that I was manifesting into my behavior was that I am unworthy. So we all have those thoughts that come in. And I, the way that I frame it is it's the enemy, it's Satan. And he is trying to get into your mind and he's going to use your childhood experiences against you. So he knows what your experience was as a child and he knows the wounds that your experience gave you and he's going to use those to keep you down. And he's going to keep reminding you of those things. And for me, it was a serious issue of unworthiness. I didn't feel worthy. You know, I I had... I love both of my parents dearly. I am close with... I love them. And I, as an adult, my perception is way different than as a child. But my dad was in the Navy and he was gone until I was eight. And so he was absent. And my mom had several marriages in my lifetime and not very healthy relationships. And I kind of was, I felt like the emotional punching bag. So I developed these feelings about myself that I was, I was unlovable, that I was unworthy, all of these things. And it wasn't until I actually went on a very deep, intense faith-based retreat, And it was Holy Spirit led. And one of the activities was to draw. So they had us draw what we would think, like when we think of God, draw a picture. When we think of the Holy Spirit, draw a picture. And then they said, when you have, when you think of Jesus, draw a picture. And then they, after that, they asked us, okay, now draw you in all those pictures and where you think that you would kind of go with. And on my picture with that I drew of Jesus, I drew Jesus washing a a disciple's feet. I don't know why that was just what came to my mind. So that's what I drew. And when the lady asked me, okay, now I want you to draw you in the picture. I drew myself as a little tiny stick figure in the corner with question marks because I felt I have no idea where I fit in this picture. And then after we all did, we were on tables of four. And after we were all done with our drawings we were only allowed to ask people questions at our table we couldn't give any statements just ask questions and kind of let the holy spirit reveal those answers and somebody asked me and she's one of my dearest friends now she asked me where do you think god would want you in that picture and i immediately started bawling my eyes out because i was like wow He would want me in the chair and the thought of him washing my feet was just overwhelming and almost preposterous to me because I realized in that moment that I had felt unworthy, that I was unworthy of God's love and his, him trying to serve me. The idea was just ridiculous. And the crazy thing is, is that same night, they actually had a ritual prepared for us and somebody was dressed in a robe. We couldn't see their face and they washed our feet. And so it was like a confirmation that I am worthy. And there was a lot of tears and a lot of really awesome working through that. But there's a lot of different ways that we can have those types of experience where we come to that moment of realizing those deep rooted false beliefs that we have about ourselves. Yeah, and the
1: thing is, is that if it wasn't, the enemy who caused those beliefs, it's for sure him reinforcing those beliefs on the daily, right? And just being aware of the the fact that those beliefs aren't, aren't you, right? Whether or not they're good or bad, like any belief that you have, it's not you, right? And just being able to discern where they come from, right? Whether it's going to, it's either going to come from you from the enemy or it's going to come from God. Right. And it's going to, and understanding whenever you have a thought, just catching that thought, like holding that thought captive and saying, okay, where are you from? And why are you here? Yeah. It's so powerful because once you understand the power that the thoughts that you carry around in your mind have, you're going to be really, really sure to not let in any thoughts that make you feel like anything less than what, you know, God wants you to be. Absolutely. And it's hard though. It's hard. Cultivating that habit is extremely difficult because the fact of the matter is that most people live their lives, live their lives largely unconsciously. Mm-hmm. They live on what's known as autopilot. Basically, like, have you ever like d- driven somewhere and you get in the car, you you drive, and then you arrive there and you're like, Wait, where was I for the last 15 minutes? How right? did I That's how most people <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh my, you're like, oh my goodness, how did it not crash? Right? But that's unfortunately how most people live their lives because they're doing the same things over and over again. They're thinking the same thoughts over and over again. They're talking with the same people, taking the same routes to work, eating the same foods, doing this like it's just right. You're living in that safe zone. And because of that, you're because your brain feels safe enough in that zone that it's like, oh, I don't have to do a whole lot. I can just run on autopilot. This is fine. And then that's how you end up living your life. But then once you take control of that and say, okay, why am I thinking this? Why am I thinking this? Why am I thinking this? If you want to take it further, you know, understand, okay, why am I thinking, why do I think that I'm unworthy? Well, because whatever answer comes up, usually it's really hard to understand what the reason is because we haven't been thinking about what the, those reasons are probably not once in our entire lives. So when you're entertaining the thought, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. And that's of course going to manifest in your behavior. You're going to act in ways that will at the very least make people treat you in a way that reinforces that behavior or at the very least, that's how you're perceiving it. You're perceiving it as though they're treating you as though you're unworthy because you already believe that you're unworthy. So you're creating a constant self self-fulfilling prophecy But when you can understand, like, okay, why am I thinking this? Usually you're not going to be able to come up with a reason. And that's how you know that that thought is not from you.
0: Mm.
1: And we're choosing to replace that thought with how would God think or what would God want me to think? Or how would God think about this? Or what would God's heart be towards this? Mm. And that's going to give you a dramatically different answer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's why I think it's really important to bathe ourselves in truth so that we know truth so when those thoughts come we can combat them you know when those lies come in that i you're unworthy you're unloved you have all those thoughts of fear they're not going to like you or anything like that you have a firm foundation in the truth to to combat those lies so you know for it was really like you said earlier it's hard, especially at first, it's like a muscle and you have to work it. And it eventually becomes easier because you get stronger. But at first it is a serious struggle. And I would verbally have to speak truth over myself. I would have to stop. I would have those finally, when I got to the point in my life where I was aware of the negative thoughts and I could separate them from myself. And I started taking that action of, okay, I just heard that thought in my head. I'm going to stop. I'm going to acknowledge it. Like, okay, there's the thought. Okay, but what's truth? And the truth is, and then I would, whatever that thought was, I would counteract it with a positive affirmation over myself. And I would speak that truth over myself. And once I did that enough, and I did it every day. And at first I felt like I was using all of my energy to do that in a day, because for me, I was, it was nonstop. I felt like I had nothing but demons in my head all the time. And it is, it was kind of exhausting at first. I really had to spend all of my energy into that, but I'm so thankful that I did invest that energy because now I'm at a point where my life in my life where it's not really that big of a struggle anymore. I was crippled by anxiety and depression and now I don't really struggle with that anymore. And I'm really thankful because it's kind of, I've developed that muscle enough. And that's not to say that I don't have negative thoughts because obviously you can't banish them forever. They still come. It's just, I get, I feel like it's easier now to kind of whisk them away. Like, nope,
1: (laughs) nope. Yeah, like once you get used to playing that like gatekeeper role of your own mind, it it becomes easier and easier over time. And the key with that is to not, To is to really try to not place judgment on those thoughts beyond is this true or or is this not true? Yeah. Because what happens is we end up, by extension, placing those judgments those judgments onto ourselves. Yeah. So when you say oh this is a bad thought, by extension we end up absorbing the belief that we're bad people. Mm. And the truth is that sometimes you're gonna have quote unquote bad thoughts, or I prefer to say things like unhelpful, or you know rather than good or bad. Like is this helpful or not helpful? Yeah, um, you know, or you'll think judgmental thoughts, or resentful thoughts, or thoughts that aren't even true. You know, you'll be like, you'll be like walking around one day, and you're like, you know what? I want to divorce my husband. Wait, that's not true. Where did that come from? Yeah, right? just really like understanding that. Yeah, like, and the more the more you try to be aware of those thoughts, and the more you try to take back control of that area, the more you're going to be bombarded by more and more extreme and oftentimes disturbing thoughts yeah. and it's going to get really, really difficult. Like the enemy, he's going to turn up the heat. He's going to make oh, yeah. it way, way more, <laughs> di- way more difficult than you ever anticipated yeah. because he knows that you're tar- you're starting to take back your power over him. And once, once you have that power, it's going to be very, very, very difficult for him to take it back because your lack of awareness is his biggest strength right? There's this saying that I have no idea where it's originally from, but I hear it all the time. And it says that that the enemy's greatest accomplishment is convincing you that he doesn't exist or his greatest accomplishment is that he's invisible basically. And having that awareness is going to be his biggest weakness against you. And so, yeah, he's going to make it very difficult, but once you're able to really strengthen that area of yourself it's going to be huge in terms of being able to banish those thoughts for, like you said, not forever, but for a period of time at least, and replace those with new, more empowering, more truthful thoughts. And it wasn't until I understood this practice that I understood the importance of constantly bathing yourself in scripture, cloaking yourself in scripture, because when you, When you are attacked by these beliefs and these self-defeating stories, you can replace them not with your own thoughts, but literally with, with scripture, right? Like how, how Jesus did in, in the desert, right? He didn't fight Satan with his own thoughts. He fought Satan with scripture. Yeah. And it's funny because I grew up in the church and I heard this story like a hundred times. I heard about, you know, put, put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. You know, we sang the song, we did all that and it wasn't until like this year when i when i understood like when i got certified in cbt and nlp and i understand how like in terms of like near near <clears> law <throat> neurologically how all of that works that i understood the importance of cloaking yourself in scripture and literally reading your bible and reflecting on what you're reading every single day multiple times a day if you can and i think the biggest the the biggest I don't want to say downfall, but the biggest weakness that I think a lot of Christians have is the casualness that we have towards scriptures and towards reading the Bible and towards really, you know, like when is the last time you went up to a friend and said, Hey, like, how's your Bible reading going? Like what's, what scriptures are standing out to you? What are you really reflecting on? What, what are you having trouble understanding? You know, things like that. Right. If we were to prioritize that more in our lives, especially among fellow, fellow believers. Mm -hmm. I think that would really give us a majority of the power that we're, we're looking for in our lives. So rather than relying on our own thoughts or our own power, self-help movements, very dependent on the self, right? It's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to think these thoughts, I'm going to empower myself. Mm -hmm. But rather than relying on that, which is ultimately going to fail, relying on, scriptures and what God's heart would be towards who you are, what you're capable of, what what your purpose is.
0: Yeah. So there's a couple things that I w- was thinking about as you were saying all of that. One thing, and they kind of go together. One thing I absolutely love that you brought up the fact that Satan's going to crank it up and you're going to have thoughts that you can't even believe just went through your head. You're like, Wow, like, you know, it wasn't your thought, because you're like, that was just like way out of line, that thought. And I think a lot of times, we're shameful to discuss those things. And you brought up a really great one. And I think that that's a thought that more people have than they'd like to admit. And that's why I think community is so important. And that's something that we've really lacked. And it's important to have those people that lift you up and remind you of the truth and, and empower you that way. And that also kind of comes another thing connecting to the fact that I agree wholeheartedly. I think that we need to be reaching out, you know, what are, what are you getting from your scripture? What are you, what's God telling you? What's he speaking to you? What are you feeling? And it is something that we have to be diligent about because we, Satan never stops. He never takes a break. That He is 24-7 on the clock. And if we aren't actively fighting against that, it, it's easy to be consumed in it. It's easy to let just crumble on, underneath all of that weight. We have to be diligent. We have to be taking action. We have to be fighting against it. Otherwise, we're just going to crumble and... Some of the girls in Circle of Grace this year, we are reading scripture through the year together, so every day we have some specific scripture that we read together, and it's been really, really beneficial for me, and I'm sure for them, I know they've given some great feedback, but it definitely has been a helpful tool in combating some of that negativity that attacks us every day it's good to like you said that that cloak of truth and we hear about it all the time you know put on the armor of god like you said but hearing that and actually doing it are two entirely different things and once you actually do it you feel a lot more at peace and at ease and i feel like yeah when you're taking those action i feel like it does kind of take Satan off and he's like, okay, well now I'm going to crank it up and I'm going to try to make things a little more difficult. But at the same time, you have this supernatural peace because now you, you're hiding truth in your heart so that when that comes, you're like, you just roll it off your shoulder. Like it ain't nothing. Cause I know the truth and that wasn't truth, So you can get up on out of here with that. Cause no, thank you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just, uh, to boil that down into like, um, digestible process so when you have like for first of all getting into the practice of being willing to observe your thoughts even the ones that are really unpleasant or really disturbing or really out of left field like I cannot tell you the like in absolute insane gruesome like really disturbing thoughts that have jumped into my mind when I bother to actually pay attention to what I'm thinking and I just want to tell everyone who's listening that is normal. It is absolutely normal. It's a normal, first of all, it's a normal brain function. It's a way that your brain fights mediocrity, right? Like if you're standing on a subway platform and you have a thought that says, oh, I wonder what would happen if I push that baby onto, a pl-, that's normal. It, it, you're not going to act on it. It's fine. It's totally normal. It's unpleasant for you, but it's totally normal. It doesn't mean you're a bad person or anything, right? But being able to witness those thoughts and to observe them and say, okay, this thought isn't mine. I'm just going to let it go. Right. And then, but before you let it go, you need to do two things. You need to hold that thought up against, against yourself and say, okay, where's, is, is this thought from? Is it from me? No. Is it from God? No. Is it from Satan? Who knows? Right. Mm-hmm. And at the same time to holding it up against scripture. So something that, I have become keenly aware of in the past year or so is that the enemy's lies will often disguise themselves as coming from God saying, you're yeah. not doing enough to fulfill your purpose or, you you know, I'm very disappointed in you because you're doing this wrong or you're doing this wrong or look what I say to do and you're doing this other thing instead. You know, it's, it, it, and it's very convincing. Yeah. But holding that thought up against scripture and saying, would God really speak to me like this? yeah is huge because first of all once you actually think about it you'll understand very quickly whether or not that's actually the way that god would speak to you because look at how god speaks to people in you know in the bible look at the way jesus spoke to people at times he was a little bit harsh maybe at times he was a little bit unpleasant but he was never cruel or degrading or yeah. shameful towards yeah. people right he never once taught through shame or through ridicule. Right. Ridicule. Right. Never once he said things that made people uncomfortable. He said things that offended people. He said things that were harsh truths, Mm -hmm. but it was never once in a way that was designed to make people feel small or broken or ashamed or unworthy. And so if you're thinking a thought, even if it seems like it's coming from God in order to motivate you to act in a certain way that maybe is godly, that thought is still lie it's a very clever lie but that thought is still a lie so if you're able to hold those thoughts up first of all against yourself and what you know to be true and then against scripture is going to be hugely powerful and this is based on a practice from from cbt which requires you to once you have a thought to look for evidence for and against that thought so in cbt the ritual or the practice is that you will look for evidence in your life to support or to not support that thought. But then from a from a Christian perspective, looking for evidence for or against this thought based on scripture is going to be hugely, way more powerful than just simply evidence from your own life. Because your perception of evidence in your own life can still be skewed based on the enemy's influence on you.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's And another thing that like you had mentioned thoughts or or words that come to you that are shame that make you feel shame that make you feel small those types of things are it's definitely important to kind of feel that distinction because even in the wilderness where where Jesus was and he was being tempted i actually read this with my girls the other day it was one of our reading and It's very interesting because Satan himself uses scripture to manipulate. And I think that that comes into play frequently, more frequently than I would like to admit. I think we see that a lot and it can be very damaging. And if we don't know the truth, we're going to take maybe somebody else's that manipulation of truth as truth, because we don't really know what, okay, what the truth is for ourselves. And that's why I'm really big on seek that out for yourself. Don't take people at face value because it's a really big turnoff. I mean, even myself, I'm someone who I, I do have faith. I am a Christian and I even struggle with that type of demeanor. And I think it's really important that we have to test that out for ourselves and seek that because I think it can really cause some issues.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. I could, I could do a whole, like I could talk for like hours and hours about this, about it's, I think a lie that we often believe is that we don't necessarily have to dig too deep into the Bible. If we have people that we can trust to relay that information for us, whether it's a yeah. church family, a, a pastor, uh, like your your small group leader, or even just people we follow on social media, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's very beneficial to surround yourself with people who are talking about um, theology and faith and things like that but it gets to a point where you start taking these people's truths as the truth and then yeah. supplementing that truth with the with the scriptures yeah when it should be the complete opposite yeah and it's it's just like i like i cannot believe how many people just parrot things that they hear on social media all the time from like christian influencers or people who are christian but have large followings, they're going to be like, yeah, I'm all being, you know, because Devin said this, it's true. Like, I don't know anyone who says that, but I'm sure people do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Right. And And they just, it's a very lazy and it leaves you open to all sorts of spiritual attack because you're taking people's you know, another human being's interpretation of the scriptures as the ultimate truth. And I know just recently, I don't remember who it was. It was a guy that I've never actually heard of before, but there's this very popular, very well known, he was like a pastor or and some sort of influencer or something. And he, it was found out that he had been involved in a lot of like sexual crimes against women. Mm. And people were like, Oh my goodness, I cannot believe that he did this. Like I, you know, he helped me grow so much in my faith and he was, you know, he inspired me and he, you know, all, all of this stuff. And it, you know, it was just another reminder to not water your faith by, f- from other people, mm-hmm. because that's just going to lead you down a road of disappointment and it's going to lead you down a road of mistruths and, Lies, and you're not going to end up any closer. I mean, you might in some ways, but in the big picture scheme of things, you're going to end up farther away from God mm-hmm. and more separate from God than you would be if you were to really just understand, make the effort to understand and reflect on the scriptures yourself. Because even though, yes, yeah, some parts are kind of complicated, some parts contra- seem to contradict each other, it can be pretty overwhelming. But making the effort to say, God, I'm going, I'm, you know, I'm understanding, or I'm doing my best to understand your word and to write it on my heart and to carry it with me in my day-to-day life and trusting that he's going to open your eyes to understanding things. Like I tell you, every time I read a chapter of the Bible, I, I understand something new from it. Yeah. And if I had just read the one chapter and been like, oh, well, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'll just move on. Right. Like, where would I be just yeah. taking that initiative to be like, okay, it's, o- it's okay that I don't understand this right now, but through either through someone else or through a book that I read or through just him himself enlightening me, I will understand this at some point in the way that God wants me to. I'm not going to trust some influencer over here to give me my mm-hmm. or to water my faith for me.
0: Right. Well, if if Satan himself is going to use scripture to twist it, people are going to do the same thing. He's going to use people to Absolutely. do exact same thing. So yeah we really want to kind of if we get an uh, an icky feeling about something or if we're just skeptical of something yeah take that time and go and investigate yourself and the truth will be revealed i like how you said he, he will reveal it to you especially if we ask like you know like you had said like i god i want some understanding i'm doing my best and it will be revealed and i always suggest you know get a study bible i think it's i, I love them i think that they're interesting i always get a lot out of just like the footnotes at the bottom. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And I like historical context. And I like, you know, historical facts. And it's just very interesting. It kind of helps me puzzle the pieces together. So I think that that's always a really useful tool to have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just like, you know, reading different translations and reading different books about different things. But that's all well and good, but just making sure that you're keeping the scriptures themselves at the forefront and then supplementing them or maybe providing context through other things, not the other way around is really the key. That's awesome.
0: Well, I, I want to make sure that we do hit this. So if, if there is someone that's listening and they're really interested about connecting with you or working with you, what are the services or that you offer or maybe how to find you?
1: You can find me where, where I hang out the most is Instagram. I'm trying my darndest <laughs> to make the most out of Twitter, but who knows what's <laughs> going to happen there. <laughs> but uh, the most reliable way to get in touch with me is for sure Instagram. So it's at elevate with Danica. Um, I'm sure like it'll be the f- in the footnotes or something but yeah that's definitely the most the most reliable way to find me um also my website elevatewithdanika.com i also have my own podcast which is the elevate with danika pierce show that's another way to get some knowledge from me get some value get some whatever it is that you're looking for i just relaunched it a few weeks ago and so i've got a whole bunch of episodes coming out soon it's going to be really amazing including yourself You're you're going to be on there. You're going to be on there in a couple of weeks. I'm really looking forward to that. And in terms of what I offer at the moment, I am offering just your basic one-on-one coaching. That's like my favorite thing to do is the one-on-one. I occasionally will have have a mastermind that comes out. I usually launch a mastermind once or twice a year. Um, I may or may not have one coming out soon. Just depends on whether or not I, whether or not I feel like it, to be honest, but I'm pretty much always offering one-on-one. So if anyone's interested in that, or maybe even a mastermind at some point in the future, uh, definitely check out my podcast, check out my Instagram, make sure you know what I'm all about. And you know, if things align, things align.
0: Yes. That's super awesome. That's really great. And I hope that anyone listening is really getting some value out of this or they look to see some of your content and get some more value. I'm really excited to come on your podcast. I just revamped mine. So you'll actually be my first episode on the new revamped podcast. So I'm really excited about that. Wow. wow. I'm, I'm, really, up- I,
1: I'm honored. <laughs> I'm honored. That's amazing.
0: But this has been really awesome, and I really appreciate you coming on here. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed connecting with you, and I'd love to continue to connect with you. So anybody listening, I am going to have all of the links of Connect with Danica in the description so you can easily access that there, and I appreciate you coming on and being with me today and for everybody listening.
1: Absolutely, and if you find me on Twitter, please come and harass me so that I so that I tweet more. I would I would genuinely appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I'm very I'm super honored that I'm your new first guest. I guess <laughs> I would say um, that's I'm very excited to hear that. That's awesome, and yeah, I genuinely had a great time. Great time on this show, super enjoyable and, and enlightening for me. So I hope that other people listening had a similar experience and yeah, we will definitely stay connected.
0: All right. Well, till next time, everybody be looking out for me on Danica's show. It's going to be a good one. (laughs) Thanks for taking the time to listen. I hope that you found value out of what was shared today. You can join our online membership community for women at circleofgrace.us, and you can connect with me personally by finding and following me on Twitter and Instagram at itsmedevclev. Until next time, may God cover you in his love and envelop you in a supernatural peace.